0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by Hot Dish Productions, an award-winning modern culinary production company. Learn more at hotdishproductions.com. Welcome to Meet in 3. This week, we're bringing you a sneak peek at HRN's newest podcast, Pizza Quest. On this show, award-winning author Peter Reinhardt interviews many of the greatest pizza makers in the world, as well as growers, cheesemakers, millers, and food producers. We're going to share a full episode with you in a moment, but first, I want to introduce you to the show's host, Peter Reinhardt, and one of its producers and co-founder of Pizza Quest, Jeff Michael. Welcome, Peter and Jeff.
2: Good morning. Thank you. Good morning.
1: So let's start with. Give me an idea, Peter, of what is Pizza Quest? How did this How did this Pizza Quest start?
3: Well, um, I hate to punt, but I really, I should really pass this one to Jeff because this the the, the original idea for Pizza Quest originated with Jeff and and our other co founder uh, Brad English, uh, who contacted me. They had the idea, so Jeff, maybe you should jump in here and explain how how it all came
2: to be. Sure. Um- Well, Brad and I work together in film production out here in Los Angeles, and then uh, we also like to eat a lot, which is one of the main things that we do on Pizza Quest. And Brad had brought in a cookbook, uh, American Pie, that uh, Peter had written. And he said, just read the first part. And and we were at work, and so I read it pretty quickly, and he, uh, he looked at me and he said, what do you think of that? And I... I was like, this sounds like a show. We just need to need to start doing some stuff. So we tried to uh, contact Peter, and Brad had finally contacted him, and Peter had said, yeah, I'm interested in trying to make it a TV show. And so we went went on, and, and Peter came out, and we filmed a few uh, kind of test episodes uh, up and down the coast of California. And uh, from there, we just kind of expanded it to whatever we felt like it was – going to go and uh, I think we evolved into just finding people that were very passionate about their food and and how they how they prepared it and what they what they gave to the public and and to other people while they were doing it.
1: So Peter when you Try to identify people that you want to talk to, guests that you interview. You know, what What are you looking for? Who do you want to talk to? What's What are the subject matter that's most interesting at this point?
3: Right. When, when I wrote American Pie, which is over 15 years ago, the idea was, was to find the people who were doing something really distinctive in the world of pizza that separated them from the pack, because really there's thousands and thousands of good pizzerias across America. But there was only a few, especially back then, only a few that you would say were destination pizza places places that you absolutely had to go and I wanted to find out what it was that differentiated them what were they doing that the other people weren't and that's what the the notion of a search for the perfect pizza became and uh, and Brad and Jeff came up with the with the, the the notion of pizza quest which I think encapsulated it perfectly so that's what we started to do is identify those people who were doing something very distinctive and raising the bar of what pizza could be. And uh, in these past 15 years, so many more players have entered the game and uh, and are doing something, you know, that really has established them as destination pizzerias, places that were doing something that was memorable and people couldn't wait to go back to. So we just started to, you know, look for those. I met a lot of those those operators at the various pizza events. Pizza Expo in Las Vegas every year was a great gathering place. And uh started to network with them and became friends with them and we just we just um called them up. And invited them, after we uh, weren't able to go out and film for a while because of the uh, pandemic, we just called them and set up interviews and started doing Zoom interviews with them. And uh, those Zoom interviews became, you know, interesting conversations, which as we realized uh, as we were doing it, would work even better as a podcast than as two people talking on a screen to each other. And that's how the Pizza Quest podcast came to be.
1: And we're so thrilled that you brought this to us with this idea of turning it into a podcast, because you're right, these kind of long-form conversations are perfect in the podcast format. So my next question is to either of you, why do you think the world needs a podcast dedicated to pizza?
3: I think of pizza as the hook, you know, and it, and it's really the, the MacGuffin of this whole show. This show is really about... My journey and the journey of so many other what I'll call kindred spirits who have something, some kind of fire burning in their belly that drives them to do something that is really hard and not always financially rewarding, but but it's a passion for them. And so one of the things that we, we identified early on in this search for the perfect pizza is that that these folks, um, are they, they bring something else. And that something else that they bring is not just passion – but a dedication to the craft. And these principles apply to everything, not just pizza. So pizza kind of opens the door and becomes the lens through which we look at other people who have that shared passion for achieving something great within their particular area. So when we talk to a tomato grower like Rob DiNapoli, who, who uh, partners with uh, one of the greatest pizza makers in America, Chris Bianco, and they come out with a line of tomatoes called Bianco DiNapoli tomatoes. There's something going on there that even separates those tomatoes from the other tomatoes in the DiNapoli, you know, catalog of tomato products. So those are the kind of people we were looking for. And I think that's really what we're trying to capture. And that's why we need this show is, is not so much to, because, you know, you can only talk so much about pizza before you just want to eat a pizza, but but people love to talk about and and I think need the opportunity to articulate what it is that drives them to work so hard to achieve something that's important to
2: them.
1: That's fantastic. Jeff, do you have anything to add there about what, you know, listeners can expect to get out of these episodes?
2: Well, I think what you're going to see here is is because what when we were actually recording these episodes it was during the pandemic, but you're going to see a resilience in all of these these operators and owners and food growers and 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 they're coming up with ways for people to to have kind of a a passion project uh, that that evolves because of all the the things that had happened to a, during the pandemic, but uh, where where we we end up going with it a lot of times is just. Finding out how these guys get started and and where they went with it from the beginning to where they are at the, at this moment, and uh, with Chris Bianco, the the story of of his his journey is is just fascinating to to listen to. And he's like your favorite New York uncle who who loves to just make make a lot of food for everybody, and and it's really all about. You know, giving his a piece of himself to to the people, and that, and I think a lot of the operators and owners and food growers and uh, the cheese makers that that's really what they're doing is they're giving a piece of themselves to all of us, and, it, and it's fascinating to listen to.
1: Wonderful. So the episode we're about to play is featuring Chris Bianco, um, Peter, Jeff. Is there anything else our listeners should know before we uh, throw to that episode?
3: Well uh Chris emerged on the scene about 20 years ago. He'd been making pizzas for a while before that, but in Phoenix, Arizona, of all places, which is not a pizza mecca. Uh, but he's he's an East Coast guy who found himself in Phoenix and loved uh, making pizza. He realized early on in his life that that's what he wanted to dedicate his life to was, was cooking and especially pizza. And it took him about years, maybe six years, to perfect his technique Uh, where he finally felt like he had something to be proud of. And little by little, the entire food community discovered him. And I heard about him... um you know, well, way back in, around 1998 or so when I was out there for uh, in Phoenix for something else and I visited him, I made bread with him, I, I made pizza with him and I realized there's something special about him but I had no idea he was going to become like this uh, folkloric hero figure. Uh, later on, Jimmy Kimmel discovered him and uh, uh, started talking about him on his show. I think he was the best man. I think uh, Chris Bianco was the best man at Jimmy Kimmel's wedding or something like that. I mean, they, they became, you know, buddies and all of a sudden, uh, the whole world suddenly knew about Chris Bianco and Pizzeria Bianco. And the real question was, what is it about that pizza? People would eat that pizza. It's just the same as everyone else's pizza cheese, sauce, you know, ingredients, topping, dough. Why was his pizza affecting people and causing people to, when they would leave that place? I, I would, the first time I went in, I saw people leaving and they were shaking their head and they were going, oh my God, I didn't know pizza could be that good. And and how did he do it? That's what I wanted to find out. So, you know, he, I featured him in American Pie, and he was kind of the star uh, of that book. But uh, since that time, he's become much more well known. And then he had to deal with the same setbacks everybody else did. All this hard work that he had done, uh, put in to create Pizzeria Bianco suddenly uh, has come to a, a screeching halt and nobody knew how it was going to end so when we interviewed him we were still in the midst of this pandemic no no vaccination in, in sight and uh, and like everybody else he had to figure out how to pivot and and, and get through this and stay true to his own vision
1: Well, that's fantastic. Peter, Jeff, thank you so much for sitting down with us and telling us a little bit about the behind the scenes of Pizza Quest, how this show came to be. And without further ado, we are going to throw now to Pizza Quest episode featuring Chris Bianco.
3: Welcome to Pizza Quest. I'm Peter Reinhardt, And I'm here today with Chris Bianco, who is generally considered to be the poster boy of the artisan pizza movement. Chris and I met a while back, maybe 20, 25 years ago, and he was just kind of emerging as a guy who had redefined what pizza can be and what it can mean to people, and since then has become the guy who's established the benchmark that other great pizzerias and pizza operators have aspired to. Chris is thoughtful, he, he's he's uh, unfiltered, he's, he's a guy who just thinks about pizza in a deeper way than most people do. And people love to hear him talk about it. And that's what we're gonna to do today. We're gonna to hear Chris talk about what pizza means to him and what it can mean to all of us when it's expressed at the highest level. This morning, when I was thinking about getting together with you today, I just had this flashback on when we first met, actually, mm. it was just about 22, 23 years ago. In nineteen it was either ninety seven or ninety eight. Yeah, I, I think ninety
4: seven. I think, I think I and and we I baked know,
3: bread together. We actually baked bread. Yeah. I remember uh, we made the Pananjian,
4: the movement pan first. That's
3: right, that's right. Which was in some ways very similar to your pizza dough. Which was yeah. and, and, and and one of my students, I was teaching in, in San Francisco at the time at the California Culinary Academy, and mm-hmm. she knew you. She either had worked for you or and had eaten at the at Pizzeria um, Bianca. And I asked her, I said, I'm going to Phoenix for this conference and I need to bake bread for a presentation. Who do I, uh, you know, who can I call? What bakery should I call? And she said, well, there's really not, no really great bread bakeries in Phoenix at the time. Uh, but the best bread in Phoenix is that Pizzeria Bianco. You should call Chris Bianco. And you were still, you know, probably known uh, locally, but not so much on any, my radar at that time. Uh, I didn't I hadn't heard of you, but I came out there, we made bread together. You showed me what you were doing. And, uh, Little by little, I watched you kind of like, you know, start to um, peek out from beyond the Phoenix, uh, you know, yeah. umbrella to uh, more and more people knew about you. And then next time I got together with you was a couple of years later when I came by to uh, sit down with you and talk pizza for uh, yep. American Pie. And yep. so, my, and, and again, first baking bread with you and having bread that good, you know, at a, res- at a restaurant was already kind of a cool thing. Um, and I think you were just making it from your pizza dough, right? It was just the pizza Yeah, dough.
4: that was just, I mean, like anything else, as you saw that set up. I think the one thing about even getting into this, you know, this business, like, which I never really saw as a business, I just thought as an expression of, you know, what do you have to offer? And I think, um, you know, growing up in New York, you know, having this little job at a pizzeria after school, you know, seeing it from a perspective of, you know, um, you know the owners trying the best they can to do with, You know to take things as far as either what's expected or that they that they knew. But there were certain things that were always like you never you know you never ordered anything but the pizza in a pizzeria, and you know bread and dessert was always an afterthought. And definitely, if there was a salad on the menu, it was you know it was uh, uh, you know an afterthought or 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 at least not as much thought. Yeah. And I, I, I think there was a lot of, when I, when, I, um, when I opened the pizzeria, there was a very conscious decision to say, you know, to, to think about, or in any situation, even this one, like doing Zoom, I, I, I was stressing a little bit the last couple of days just about hooking it up. As you know, it took me a few minutes to go on. So I would say, what's in our way? You know, what's, what's in our way? Okay, having to stand for the phone, having the internet work, you know, what's in our way? And I think when we when I said we sat in a restaurant, I was never into blind tastings, and I'm still not. I think we've been blessed with senses and 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 understanding where our food comes from. And and uh, I wanted to give people something from the beginning, even the way they were greeted, to how we made them feel, um, seems much more relevant today. Um, to uh, how they left the restaurant, mm-hmm. and not just waited for this one sublime moment of like let me just get to the pizza or just the best part of the song or the bridge or the whatever, you know? And I figured that if they were going to have, you know, sit down and, you know, get a heel of bread, you know, with a salad, uh, you know, and make pizza something that it really wasn't so much growing up, man. We made a beeline for the pizza when I was a kid. And sometimes I still do that. And I, But, but I wanted to give it, um, you know, a, a, um, a totality of its place, just like everything. So I think there's always... Uh, uh, maybe now just having a lot of time to think, you know, a lot of metaphors and not experience as well.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, the, the thing that was so striking, the fact that you were making your own bread at your pizza mm-hmm. was way ahead of its time because now more and more pizza operators are now making bread. And I think at, at the pizza expos and all the other places where we come together, that notion of encouraging people to make your own bread, you're making already making the dough, you know, well,
4: That, well, that was the thing. That that was the thing. I, you know, I, I, it's funny. I, I, um, I, my partner, my, my, uh, uh, tomato partner, Rob DiNapoli, who I love dearly, you know, we have this conversation all the time about pizza sauce. I'm fine to label something pizza sauce, but as we all know, pizza sauce is pasta sauce is any other sauce. I mean, as we, whether we need higher hydration or we need to tighten it up or, or we need to hammer it through a food mill or we need to just hand crush it or we like them whole. Well, bread's the same thing. And I think, as you, I think as, you, as you dissect it, if we did it honestly, you know, a lot of things are meant to, whether it's in government, whether it's in any, you know, we've been in a lot of goofy meetings and a lot of those meetings in our life were, so something at that meeting could be relevant or separate itself is some type of importance. And I think a lot of things have separated themselves in a confusing way. Like, like, like grapes are ultimately wine, and, and, and dough, like bread. You know, pizza was already bread. You know, if it's flat, you know, you know yeah. it's, it's pizza, or it's naan, or it's whatever. I mean, but yeah. it's the same. And I think, again, in that metaphor of, of we're all, you know, all bread is create, created equal. What we do with it after that is up to us how we manipulate it. And I think, well, it isn't that poignant again. We're right about now. So so yeah. I think all those things to me just make sense. And then you know the timing is everything. I had my brother Marco, who um, you know, my brother wasn't a baker. He was uh you know, him and my dad had a tiny little art studio in New York and, you know, like a lot of things that change over time, you know, in the in the um in the late eighties, you know, uh like little art studios or design studios, people that did things by hand, were were replaced by Adobe Illustrator, by technologies, you know, when mm-hmm. people did it by hand, and that, you know, my dad lost his business in that way, and, you know, my dad was still able to paint and make a living, and my brother, that did more than, you know, the the, the, the lettering and things like that, um, was looking for a change, and I suffered him in to uh, come out to yes. Phoenix. I knew he'd be a great baker, much better baker than me, because, um i was uh i didn't use this analogy before but like he was a kid that um if you gave him a model airplane he'd spent all day on every aspect of the interior of the plane and the engine and and i wanted to just slap the wings on him put the stickers on because i knew it right. could not fly
0: right and
4: i think that that totality and that's why he's a better baker than i am uh is is in baking i think there's a there's a even though we don't, it, you know, a loaf of bread doesn't fly. It's important to understand all the things that make it rise and bake properly, and whatever. And I and I always have jokingly, but not really, always say you learn things while you burn things. That that is true. You know, the the, the knowledge is in our failures for sure. Yeah, yeah. But it's important that you know we have some scribes around to make sure that we recognize uh, uh, those and and calculate them and. And my brother's now a very maniacal baker. Where I'm still more like, <laughs> if it's hot, too hot, maybe we'll bump it with ice water. We'll do whatever. We'll, you know, we'll figure it out. And you know that that always freaks
3: him out. Well, I always think of Marco as the sort of the secret weapon that that sort of the yeah. unknown behind the scenes secret weapon of pizza.
4: No doubt, radio. the best yeah. brother a boy could ever have. I'll tell you right now, my oh, big it's brother. Great
3: Marco. that you guys have such complementary, you know, skills that way too. And uh, and, and then you managed to keep that partnership. The band has not broken up, right? you guys are still working well, I together. Think, you know, that's funny years. you
4: say that. That's funny you say that because um, that's the one thing if I' have anything that I'm most proud of in my in my life. you know obviously it's my family. you know um, you know the way that you know um, my parents gave me that foundation about what's truly important and everything starts here you know, gaining the respect of the people that have known you the longest and know who you are. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't end there, but I think it begins there. Like, you know, to kind of to, to leapfrog that and get some other type of acclaim when, when, when you know, the respect of, 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 of the people that I mean most to you uh, um, is uh, uh, altered at best. It doesn't seem like it makes sense. So I wanted that. I wanted that for my brother. I wanted that for my family. I wanted that for my peers. And now the people, like, you know, I look at the original pizzeria. I mean, you know, my manager, Dave, been with me, you know, 24 years, uh, 25 this year. Um, You know, our server, Lacho, uh, um, you know, right now he's, uh, uh, you know, he's laid off, you know, but he'll be back as as soon as he can open all the way. But um, been with me since the day one. His brother, Alberto's um is uh still with us since the first day you know and other people twenty six years twenty two years seventeen years you know those those things are um, it is always it was always about parts, you know, not the sum, the sum is only you know like you know those there's things every day that that, that uh that show me what what the importance of the most minuscule you know, piece of any puzzle. You know, the, you know, God forbid a plane goes down and you find out a pigeon flying into you know, I won't use the F word, but flying into the, the turbine took it down. You're like, God, there me have been a screen for that. Like this, yeah. this you know, this massive thing with calculations and things, like we couldn't keep a pigeon um, you know, uh, you know, out of that from taking down and taking the last, of people. You know, so so I think it's always like looking at anything, you know, like what will you know, like, look at our world now. You know, we build walls, we build tom- bombs, we build everything, but it just took somebody, you know, sneezing on the wrong person and then being negligent to that in the world somehow or not, you know, obviously, uh, to, to put us in, you know, put the world at its knees and um, take the lives of, in this country, now over 100,000 people around the world, uh, more people than most all worse combined, I believe, I not all the statistics on that, but so well, it's okay. getting if not yeah
3: already it's getting there isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing how the world can turn on such a on a sneeze like you said um but when you were talking about you know having these the parts the people that you've you've kind of have worked together it, there's a synergy that does make the the sum is greater than the parts but you've got to have great parts in order to have this you know wonderful sum in the end and Right. But
4: some, no, but some, some is definitely greater than the parts, but the, but they're not disconnected. They're not yeah, two yeah. separate entities. You know? Well, it's it, like, you know, like all things, you know, like I am of my parts. I am of that thing, you know, no matter with the representation of that. Yeah. But to take the Jenga game of anything apart is only for yeah. to fault, you know? So, I mean, I, I got that along time ago and, uh, and now more so than ever I mean and we've had some you know conversation I cherish deeply about you know our own spirituality um, and, and how we see our mortality you know and and you know I, I you know we talked about I had some challenges as, as a kid with asthma that that uh you know that were scary to me as, a, as a growing up and and that that kind of brushed with something greater than me yeah, you know, was only an incredible life lesson of, of gratitude and humility, and um and not a victim, but but a, a, a lesson. Like if you, if you're blessed to live through something or around something, what do we do with that? And and um, yeah, it's affected the way I see, you know,
3: everything. Well, I tell you, I mean, I remember when we sat down at at PG, You had just opened the the bar the next door to the pizzeria. Yeah, right. And, uh, and we we talked there, you know, before before you had opened that evening, mm-hmm. and uh, for a couple of hours. And probably our conversation that day became the heart and soul of my book because there was a couple of things that to this day I still remember, and I and I use them in all of my presentations. And one, the first one was um, was we I had asked you what it is about you know your pizzas that, and what what you've learned from pizza that what are some of the tips and tricks that you could pass on to other people, and you said. Um, you said, well, I think it would be a disservice to say that there are these tips and tricks that you can do that would make you a great pizza maker. He says, I, I, you said, I can teach people my tricks, but I can't teach them to care as much as I care. And and you said, if I could find people who cared as much as me, we can make them a great pizza maker. But yeah. and, 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 that, and, and I've seen that everywhere that I've gone since. And as I went around the country, noticing that this is one of the differentiators of the places that separated themselves from the pack was that there was always a person or people there who just cared more than any. And that's not something that's part of training. That's something that they have to bring with them. They have to have that sense of caring.
4: Well, I think, I think that, one, you, know, you know, you've seen firsthand, you know, around the world that I, I was just never comfortable with, you know, um, I mean, I respect people that have to be very, like back when I was a kid, I mean, there was labels off the of cans and, you know, you hid your back, what you use, and everything was a secret. And, you know, a lot of those times, you know, in, in you know, in, in a competitive world, I, I understand the, the impetus of that or the, the beginning of that, you know, almost fear or either you're hiding something or whatever. I just found the transparency set me free personally. You know, I remember when, you know, Alice Waters or Daniel Blue or all these great chefs came to visit, you know, the first thing that I was you know I saw them notice maybe look around the room or look at our shelves or like see this idiots using this des olive oil and everything in a specific or um, you know what we you know dedicatedtors substitute through you know through organics through um, anything that we could that was what supporting local farmers meant there wasn't a word it was a, it was a commitment to your bottom line essentially so I wasn't an economics major you know uh, you know I'm not a, an educated man but but I knew that there was a commitment to keep people that they wouldn't stay with me now almost 30, you know, some of them 30 years, um, because I was nice. I had to make an economic commitment to them. I had to mm-hmm. like, I always said, Look, if I don't, if, if I don't have it, you know, uh, uh, you know, or if, or if I got it, we all got it. And if I don't have it, you'll probably still get it, but not as much <laughs> as either of us would like, Yeah. you know? So I think those, those principles of study, um, like I always talk about the totality of uh, you know of anything. Like you know sometimes you know in our in our soundbite world, as we tweet and confirm or deny the next great or the or the worst whatever, that we maybe miss the intention you know of of that you know of that you know minimalism of a, whether it's a slice of pizza or a bowl of pasta, because you are going to get this you know ribeye with this salsa verde that on the next course that the table was going to share that you knew would punch them out and but they tweeted before and now it's it, you know it's it just it's there's an unraveling of of a lot of of of, of things anyway that, you know going back i was just like hey if i could show you that i care or i or, yeah. or not even that if i if i knew that i care and i welcome to to like i would say you know love is a word to explain the inexplicable one of that same way and again never more important than now I could send you love letters every day. I could send you daisies. I can, but if I make you feel sick and unwanted Mm -hmm. and negative, that is the only reality. It's, it's indefensible, you know, for me not to listen to how I made you feel. And I know the way that I felt at certain times in my life when it was confusing with people that, you know, they went and you were invited on that trip and maybe you got some, maybe you did get that crappy t-shirt that was their guilt back. Not that that ever happened to me or whatever, but but, but there's, there's, there's things in, in, I know in my life that when, I, when a customer, I don't even like that word, when a, when a human being walked into our space that I was blessed to, to, to you know, yes. uh, uh, be part of a food chain, a part of a Link of Miracles, to now stain their, their humanity, to do something possibly great in the world. I know I've never been too busy to acknowledge another human being if I, if I saw you in my peripheral. I've never been too busy not to nod. I've never been too busy to blink. I've never been too busy to, to do what I could to make to, to to, you know to hear you as a human being. And I think again, understanding things that are that are pertinent in our world right now, you know, I didn't have the good stuff for when Peter Reinhardt came. In. You know, I, everybody hopefully got the good stuff, the deserving stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. That every yeah, you,
3: know? if it, it, you don't you don't just pull out the special stuff for because yes. this person is special, but everyone has to be special to you. And that was something that also out of that first conversation, uh, one of the, 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 the key takeaways for me was when you talked about, you know, the, the sense that you were doing this because you really wanted to have a relationship. You, you made the pieces right out there in front of everybody. You worked out there because the relationships for you were very important. It's what, what it was what in a sense motivated you to keep doing it. It gave you purpose and meanings to have those relationships. And so, when I asked you, uh, "Well, what is it that you want people to experience when they when they eat your pizza?" And this is the moment I'll never forget, when you said, "I want them to experience my soul," and the whole room went yeah. quiet. You said that I was almost in tears, and I didn't know what to say, and I waited for a few seconds. Before I could come up with anything, and finally I said, "Well, do they?" And you and you kind of chuckled. You said, "Do they experience my soul?" And I said, "Yeah." And you said, (laughs) "I think sometimes they do." (laughs) And that was it. We couldn't talk after that. We had to stop up, and we just went and made pizza because where do you go from there? You know?
4: Yeah, I think I think I think, and even clarifying that, even editing my thought years later, you know. what I hope, what I hope that, you know, people always see the totality of, of the village that it takes to bring anything. So my soul is actually a collective of souls, you know, and when I mean by that, you yeah. know, it isn't singular, you know, it isn't like, I would say, I made nothing in my life. Like you make rain, well, maybe another conversation, but if you don't make rain, you have got help in that process. So you've been part of a process. You know, that's the way I see myself is in that relationship business. If I had, if I had a job title with, you know, I'm in the relationship business When yeah. any of those relationships are out of kilter, the imbalance is, you know, profound. And yeah. I think, you know, I've always, you know, um, jokingly had a, well, not even jokingly. you like, I'm always uncomfortable when somebody says "Oh, pizza master or I'm a pizza master or, yeah. or some of the, you know, I don't see my role in pizza anything further from that perspective because I see, you know, um, that, you know, kind of master and subject relationship and not even beyond the, 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 the obvious ones, uh, 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 you know, through history. But I, I mean, when we do not see ourselves with most entities that, um, that we are in relationship with, like kind of going back to that pigeon in the plane, theory um and then we know we've all had these you know you did everything right you did everything right and someday it just didn't rise or someday you didn't plan for everything and there was 300 people outside and, and you know and the wood you got was green or you know the you know the 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 the, the mastery the wizardry does not always comply your dominance your your What's the word of the day now I heard on the news was, uh, you know, your your force or whatever that, you know, uh, dominance, you know. You have to dominate. Yes. yeah. Yeah.
3: Stick around for more Pizza Quest after a word from our sponsor.
1: This episode is brought to you by Hot Dish Productions, an award-winning modern culinary production company specializing in creative digital video, photography, and podcast production. From concept through post-production, Hot Dish creates and produces compelling food stories that ignite the chef in all. Hot Dish Productions has deep connections to award-winning and celebrity chefs and over 20 years experience. Their team has won both a James Beard Award and an IACP award for their work in food media. Hot Dish Productions delivers the highest quality product at a fair value. Let them help tell your culinary story today. Explore their work and learn more at hotdishproductions.com. I'm
4: a salt freak for a lot of reasons, but... What is that salt? what's, What's the story behind that salt? About salt? I mean, well, yeah. there's, a, there's a few different salt that I, that I use. Um, there's some that's from Marin. I've been getting some now from the Sea of Cortez. Um, there's actually another salt that, um, is very interesting. It's, uh, it's mined out in Glendale. So it's, you know, when you get a mined salt instead of a rake salt, um, you know, that's pretty fascinating water that was, you know, salt that was watered 2 million years ago, you know. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, and in that purity of it and it'll be good for smart people to get involved in that and help us figure out you know the the purities of that and, and you know as opposed to being raked, which I love from Troy I love uh you know i uh, I, I, I you know the, I'm a huge uh the UK has been a great inspiration for me in my life and you know I've, I always have some molding salt from Essex uh, mm-hmm. on hand uh you know so yeah there's a lot of a lot of salt uh, a lot of salt in uh, not my wounds, but definitely in my, in my heart. Sure. That's always been
3: kind of a a, a, a trademark of your work is that your connection to the ingredients to, you know, to each ingredient, to every ingredient that you use, there was, there's always something about what the choices that you made that were again, ahead of their time. I mean, you were doing this in the back of the nineties when most people were just making pizza, you were thinking through everything. Now, a lot of people are emulating that and are trying to be, you know, that thoughtful about what they're doing, which I think is a great, you know, testament to, to the legacy that you've helped to bring about. And I know that you would probably be the first to say, you're not the only one that's with that message, no. but you are certainly one that a lot of people look to as an inspiration for that. And so we spent in, in the first, in the first uh, segment, we talked a lot about sort of the philosophy and the buildup and everything else, but uh, a lot's happened since, the launch of Bianco and the launch of, you know, sort of your acclaim. Uh, and you've moved on. I mean, one thing you alluded to in our last conversation was that you had childhood asthma and somehow mm-hmm. that came back to bite you in the mm-hmm. butt, right? Can you talk a little bit about, uh, for those who don't know that story, uh, mm-hmm. when, when when I interviewed you, you said you make pretty much every pizza and will always be the one making the pizzas there. You have one assistant who every once in a while will get to make one. But he, he said, you said that was really important that you be the one to make yeah. those pizzas and then all of a sudden it, you had to ask the baton yeah.
4: what happened well i think well there's about four parts of that situation but i think um you know um it's funny now like you learn uh like even when you're making flour you know i wasn't wearing a mask my head was in everything um you know after years at that time you know i mean i opened up in 88 i started working at a pizzeria when i was 13 after school um, you know, I, you know, and, uh, I definitely did inhale in that, in that, in that manner. Um, and, you know, just, uh, my doctor gave me the best example of that, like, in uh, it, to explain how it exasperated my asthma. It, it, you know, when I had to make a big change, which was like if you get, you know, you put a wet hand in a sack of flour and pull it out, you know, that's ultimately what your bronchi will look like, you know, um, and, uh. Pretty good. And, <laughs> you know, and mine, you know, inside of my lungs were just kind of overwhelmed by flour. And some people thought it was smoke, but the smoke really didn't have, you know, I wasn't inhaling, you know, and I had great extraction, you know. Smoke can be an issue in, 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 in rooms that aren't properly ventilated and but that wasn't the case for, for me. Um, and it wasn't about eating it, it was in the inhalation of it. So it was not to be confused in that in that way at all. So you know, I got to a point where, um, you know, and I'll, I'll even go back and saying that that I wanted to make every pizza. What I said, you know, earlier segment about that, I always knew that I was part of a process, and what I, what I wanted to do, the more little bit of whatever outside attention I got, the more that I wanted to not let you down. You know, the more that I felt that, you know that I owe, that, that, that I had a responsibility to understand that you mattered. Like, I, I had a few rules. I never put a, any type of accolade in my wall. I never, like, I never put anything up on my, like, even on, you know, my Instagram, my, whatever. Like, I, it was about your discovery about whatever I did. If I came and I sucked and I was rude and I was mean, that's, that's, my, that's your reality, which is the reality. But now, now faced with okay, well, what's left? And you know, I was talking earlier in my career also about you know understanding um, very clearly um, you know um, the deal that we make and our parents make. We bring humanity into the world. Is uh, the skin and bone thing is a temporary game. So we better prepare for our release from it, and we better you know we can just you know you know close the shop and or we can build a template, you know? Um, some, some place will build a temple. I try to build a template, you know, to to, to have a framework
0: mm-hmm.
4: where, well, I, I say all the time, you know, Dan at Raza and, you know, obviously Tony Zimignani, all these great pizza guys over the years and, and some of the young guys, you know, Hans Popman in LA now doing cool things. Uh, young guys, you know, women uh, uh, all over the world, I mean, Doing things where they, 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 I would say, if I raised the bar at all, it's so others could dance on it, you know? You know, they could, they, you know, the, that work that, that, to me, was just, you know, was sensical. And even though I might have been the first one of the first to apply it to pizza, you know, I never invented a damn thing in my life. It wasn't inspired by, you know, whether it was nature or humanity, you know? Um, so I saw in the 70s, you know, Alice Waters, you know, like looking at, you know, uh, you know local as- aspects of, of, of food source. You know, uh, obviously, in Northern California, it was easier than at that time in Phoenix. Even though we had, ins- you know, we have an insanely fantastic network of farmers now. You know, back when I moved out here, most of it were inaccessible. They were huge ag. Um, um, and not really, you know, everything was exported, you know, or, or, or yeah. in a minimum out of state. So I think um you know well,
3: changed over this in this in that short period of time, that philosophical shift that yeah. that, that took place between the nineties and the aughts.
4: Yeah, I mean I think I think you know the the you know I'll never forget, you know, um, you know, uh every day I would, you know, I I think about um I might have told you this already, but, you know, and it's not in a morbid way, but every day when I leave, you know, it started out just my kind of my, 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 my first sit down, you know, little pizzeria, you know, uh, well my second one actually moved once, but ever since 95, we've been down in that little red brick building. And every time I pull out of the driveway, I try to look over my either left or right, shoulder. it doesn't matter, but I, I look at it like I, it's the last time I've seen it. And I want to make sure that anything I need to say to it or the people that are in it, that I attempt to um, either pull out and run out or now since the cell phone call or, or just make peace with it. And, yeah. you know, one day I'll be right. And one day we'll all be right in that way. Well, you know, and, yeah, and I I think if, we, if we looked at things and, and took it from like when I was a kid, like no one wanted to talk about, you know, death, you know, um, no one wanted to talk about life, really. They want to talk about the party, but not really. they cleaning up the party, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I see, like, in our business, it's a collective of New Year's Eve parties, but every day we're cleaning up the next day. Mm-hmm. We're rebuilding. There's always kind of, you know, we're, 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 you know, it's kind of being born again daily. Like, there's no really, there's, a, there's an appreciation and a momentary celebration and gratitude for that day, but now it starts, you know, again, and we have to reprove ourselves and everybody coming through those doors. So just to kind of close on what happened in my transition of health was I just had to make point to, um, and now at 50 years old, getting married late in life, I have three small children, you know, I realized that, and, and the one thing I'll say to any young chef that talks to him, I'll talk about, um, you know, do as I say, not as I did, or even whatever path you're on, it's yeah. not a path to emulate. You know, yeah. I, I've got some things, and I was very blessed and very fortunate, but other things were really because I, I had no place else to go, uh-huh. you know? And, you know, like, I, I, I needed that, and I still need to jump in front of the oven. I need to bake things, and i love it. I would love for it. But there was a huge time in my life where, like, I was so, you know, overwhelmed, I would say. Like, you know, whatever type of attention I got, like, you know, it was, um, I remember and I think it was 98 when Michelle Spoloni wrote in her pizza book and she picked this in her favorite United States. Everybody was like, Whoa. you know, and, I, and again, grateful, humbled. I never believe in a singular best, you know, kind of a little bit like heaven. It's not an island. You know, we hope to get there with the other great, you know, people that yeah. practice the same thing. That's why I see my work. Yeah. It's not singular, but I'd like to be invited to that party of yeah, people perfect. that have brought good things to the table, you know, throughout throughout history, you know, yeah. and uh, so in my transition of what do I do now, you know, you know, is is it's a little bit like you know, uh, you're a young baseball player you throwing 100 miles an hour, all of a sudden you're a crafty left-hander throwing 75, thinking about I'm gonna either have to buy the team, be a third base coach, a pitching coach, a scout, yeah. retire on my pension. What, what's my role and and then the question I think is personal, um, how do I affect the game to its greatest and to its greatest good? because that'll always be my greatest good. And I think me affecting my game or my greatest good was, was looking at first at what makes good things good, which is my life's work. What makes good anything good pizza is only as good as you know the, like, like putting pizza in the oven like. Like, I could teach a robot. We're seeing now there's robots that can shape and bake. You know, the, yeah. you know, from rain down is where we make pizza. You know, that's uh, where I'm it make pizza. You know, and, and, in the, and the farmers, as we prepare, you know, the soil. And as we talk, like, and when we plant tomatoes, when we talk about, you know, crop rotation, and it was hard red s- spring wheat last year, but that made, it, you know, made the soil passive enough that, it could, you know, the rooting systems could receive all the earth had to give it. So there was a lot of things like haunting me, which was, was I a problem of making America sick or the world sick by not worrying about nutrition when I was a younger chef. I, I, I knew about organic, I knew about good things on a surface level, but you know, every day was a kind a, a of a revelation of, you know, you know where was, ch- like, how and why did childhood asthma come into place? You know, yeah. or what, What you know, we know a lot of things about it now, you know, um, a lot more things about it now. A lot of it just linked to, um, you know, in inner cities and our inability to be able to give um, uh, children uh, uh, that don't have the economic means proper care or uh, diagnosis. But there's other things, you know, childhood obesity and, and, and all types of issues that exasperate as, mm-hmm. as you know, as, as we see the arc of when it affects children, usually about four or five years old, which when, it, when I got it when I was five, when you first go to school, when you're exposed yeah. to certain things. Now, now again, very long story short, when I'm, when I'm faced with what am I going to do, be a third-base coach? Well, I already own the team, you know, which yeah. when I grew up, the pizza guy rarely owned the pizzeria, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think as I've researched in my own, research and we go back to uh, and you probably know this history better than me but even looking at like you know the original lombardi's and all these the pizzerias where i grew up they're iconic you know a lot of times you know the the, the pizza guy went to open the, their own place and the owner on the pizzeria right. i think it's a famous picture of one had the flowers on their shoes and one didn't and i forgot how that worked out but but um but there was, there was like I a lineage of that, yeah and we yeah, and we all, you know, I pay homage to all those great people before us and all those great pizzerias, especially in New York where I, where I grew up, you know. Um, but I had to find my place, which was I did make a template. It was my life's work. And now the continuum of that is, you know, the, is it, the, is it the, the general manager of the, you know, the Lakers or is it Jerry West? Uh, you know, now I think he's the Clippers, whatever. But, you know, who shapes that? Who's the archetype yeah, for, yeah. for, you know, that? And so what I do, whether it's in my restaurant, i have an amazing young chef. Cassie Shortino is fantastic. You know, what I try to do is illuminate what's already great about her. You know, I, I, you know sometimes, you know, restraints, staying out of a way, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, hopefully, mentoring in a place that's specific for that individual. We all need different type of, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, temperatures. You know, um, when we bake bread, you know, or, or make a slice of toast, um, we need we need appropriation and we need language. Sometimes my language can be inappropriate for my kids, so uh, uh, I got I got to temper that. But um, but how I I it was the most difficult. Struggle in my life, which was that transition from like, like when I, when I went to work, you know, in the doors, the sign flipped to five o'clock before we went for lunch. You know, like I would pretty much black out almost to, to try to get to almost a, you know, like it was me and one of I me, mean, you were there. I mean, it was me and one guy, you know, he did salads and helped me shape. And, you know, we do, I don't know, 300 pizzas from five o'clock till. One in the morning, you know, yeah. 320 pieces in a little oven. And, and for me to do that, you know, I had to kind of go to a place of, 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 of you know, I'd look in the oven. If I still look in the oven, the, hip, the hypnotic nature and the peace that I find in that fire, you mm-hmm. know, that very kind of, uh, it, it, it's something that I still want to peek into. But I know I can't get lost in it anymore. Well you know, still like.
3: Using that analogy that you were using, the, the athletic analogy, like I think of, that made me think of someone like Larry Bird, who was a phenomenal basketball yeah. player. But then, you know, age happens, and all of a sudden, he had to reinvent himself, and then he became a great coach, and then he became a great uh, general manager, mm-hmm. and, and eventually will probably own a team. Um, you now had to make that, you were forced to make that transition. Right. Uh, maybe, you prior, uh, maybe the schedule got moved up faster than you thought it would happen. But then you made it. So, what are some of the what are the what are these next waves of of the legacy that you're creating from this template? What are some of the projects, for instance, that you're working on? Yeah, one thing you mentioned already, mentoring the next generation. I think that we're seeing that a lot of the people that are that we've been talking to on Pizza Talk are people who have gotten to that point in their career where they feel that their next act in their life is to mentor the next generation. We call them the Council of Pizza Yodis. <laughs> You know, and we and we, and we try to get them on here as often as possible. Uh, and, you, and you're doing that. But you also, you know, have a hand in a number of new product uh, innovation ideas. What are some of those that you could share with the people who are watching? Well,
4: product-wise, you know, like, I mean, over the years, I've had a lot of opportunity to slap my name on things. And I was never part of that, you know, not to do any judgment. But I never want to put my name on something, but I want to put my heart in something. And if something grows from that, like, you know, um, and I know we talked to my partner, my tomato partner, Rob, who's a brother. Yeah, of, yeah no, we really have Rob things. on,
3: yeah.
4: And he's uh, just one of the great humans on this planet who really cares that, you know, um, that, you know, generational family in California that comes from Italy and wants to, you know, that sees the, the soil, the earth is good, yeah. you know, and, and, and now we can plant this fruit to, to, to feed people. Um, and when he came to see me, you know, and very that very long story short, is you know his tomatoes were great, um, but they they weren't organic. They were maybe the viscosity of the pack was a little bit thicker than I liked. Um, uh, maybe um, they were a little firmer than I liked as well. To process which which during the day, you know, and to appreciate that a lot of the like old timers that would be important to make it look like a fresh tomato coming out, which is still important. And, and you know, whatever. I want it to be, I want to, us to study where could we like for our part of the world where we're from, just like the wine industry, like having great respect for San Marzano and I love those tomatoes and you know I love Italy. And but just like like with wine is Loire Valley or Willamette Valley, you know, you know, Sac Valley. You know, for tomatoes or, or or San Marzano, or where they were discovered in Chiapas, Mexico, or in Chile, you know, you know, uh, year you know, millenniums ago. So, so my role in any of this is again that study of what makes good things good. You know, probably some of my biggest work and most uh, um, rewarding work is on the tomato side because it keeps me connected to so many young. Well, young and older, you know, chefs around the country. Even like yeah. I will say this about these tomatoes, where kind of like our in our last segment we talked about that you know pizza dough is bread dough. Well, well, you know, pizza tomatoes are you know Bloody Mary tomatoes or or salsa tomatoes or uh, you know for you know for uh, your shashuka whatever whatever you want to make with tomatoes like you know. Like, it's, they're, they're all invited to that party. So I think, you know, um, I'm sorry, go ahead.
3: If you say, in your opinion then, what is it about a good tomato that makes it a good tomato? What was it that you were looking for to, to determine that, that it was good in, in, in terms of your vision of what a good tomato should be? Well, I
4: think, I think I think it started out with, you know, just like I would say, whether it's a rumor or a tomato, consider the source, you know? Um, be handy again in our political systems right now but 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 digging into that source of you know back in the day you know you know people send you a price list and it's in a sample and you know and rob could tell you that story better but i'm not really interested in 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 the price list eventually i will be i mean it's got to be economically viable but it doesn't really matter if it comes from a an un, you know, a, a place of uh, or, or, or a place of uh, negligence to our earth uh, or to the community so I had to um, you know even though like I said I respected Rob's tomatoes yeah. and, and they were great what I was looking for more was on the, as an end user I've noticed over the years you know if I didn't um, kind of drain off some of the the, the, the pack, the water pack um, like in some of the tomatoes that I, that I would was using um, to really get the yield that I needed, um, I wouldn't be able to get the viscosity of the pack. So what, what you know there was you know somewhat in water juice, and when you like to make my tomatoes is real simple. I dump out a can, I I'd put a glove on well you know, and I just squish them up. Until I get to that place, and even even all the pizzas we do today, we still do them all by hand. Cause it didn't take that much, and we make it daily. It's not something I want. I want it to be bright enough. So from a flavor profile, so what I'm looking for a tomato is first of all, I'm looking at the the, the you know, um, so uh, you know one of our farmers, Scott Parks, um, told me a great story about about tomatoes, and it's something that I I tell all the time. I might have said already. I apologize, but you know I asked him. Uh, he's been farming in Sacramento, uh, Sac Valley, actually in Meridian, California, Yolotown uh, border there, um, since, you know, the, the late 70s. And he said he was going to, UC, you know, a student at UC Davis and he graduated. He was working for a big ad company. And I asked him, well, what, what, what was, you know, what was that, you know, motivation to, to go organic, you know, especially in the, in the early 80s? Yeah. And he said, hey, man, I just stopped getting stung by bees, and I stopped seeing worms. There was nothing else I needed to know. There was no other statistics Interesting. Very that interesting. I needed to understand. And I tell you, that, to me, when I put my hand to squish squishy tomato is something I think about all the time, is those, who, oh, those yeah. whose hands are, are in it might have some context, you know? When something uh-huh. is different and something has changed, we need to dive into that,
3: you know. Well, I, I mean, have a, I have an idea. Uh, we'd love to have you come back and with Rob and come on together and, and and really dive in, spend a whole a whole show just talking about the sort of the way you two guys kind of came up with what ended up becoming the Bianco Di Napoli tomato. Yeah. So we'll set that up for another another session. Cool. And uh, but before we run out of time today. Uh, uh, if just maybe just very briefly, just uh, talk about some of the other products. Because I, I, I along the way, I heard you were doing something with cheese. You were doing something with
4: wheat. Uh, are there well, other the, products that are yeah, like I mean, that that, things, that, you're, that you're involved in? On I mean, the on the cheese side, you know, it's more in support of people that are using, you know, good things. I got some calls, some 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 cheese makers uh, that um, uh, you know we're trying to. um trying to help you know as much as we can um find out what we need you know it's like part of like, like for instance like in arizona you know we don't have really any dairy industry that isn't a part of um you know the union the, the you know it's 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 not like let's say like california but there's a lot of independent dairies that are just making you know uh, they're able to make like uh like double eight in sonoma making amazing you know uh Double A Dairy uh, in Stone County—they're doing amazing. Um, uh, I think Johnny Darski's using them. Um, uh, their cheese from Pizza del Popo. popo Johnny's a, uh, a great guy and a great pizzeria and a great man. Um, but uh, there's a lot of small cheesemakers making big commitments, and then, and then you know there's there's larger companies that are kicking tires on what we can do to save that industry. Um, most of my focus now on on grains. Um, uh, you know, Kevin Morse from Karen Spring Mills is a dear friend of mine. Um, we use a lot of their their their, their grain. Um, you know, hidden uh, flowers from here locally too. Um, but the next part of grain, you know, Anson Mills, where I get Carolina Gold rice from. Um, you know, when I'm when I'm ever in Texas, you know, it's always you know uh, um, James Bound at, at Barton Springs Mill, uh, who's unbelievable uh, miller. And connected to those great farmers. So, what I do is, um, like, I'm working with Kevin, let's just say, now right now, I'm on working with some other growers um, here in the Southwest and here uh, in open Skagit Valley, where, you know, going to the, you know, Vinnie was up to the, you know, the, uh, the grain gathering, uh, you know, the bread lab, and, uh, yeah, you okay. know, uh, talking to smart people oh, and Stephen okay. Jones, all these people that you know, forgot more about, I mean, I, I can tell you yeah, kind of what I think is delicious or what works well, but, but I think it's important that smart people can tell us where things will grow well, what our yields will be, what are the, 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 you know, the economic impact to communities in that way and, and environmental impact to our communities in that way. Like, you know, uh, you know, there's a very narrow, you know, in malting, for instance, there's a very narrow amount of grains that are malted, You know, um, that's not my expertise, but the way he's explaining me was a lot of those parameters of of, of the narrowness came from maybe those that made laws and invested in certain commodity grains, yeah. so that could be affected to bottom lines. You know, smart people can help me out on that, but, but, well, but, so, so imagine. knowing what's best more yeah. than. What's just, you know, we can grow a crap load of. And, you know, I don't know anybody makes a lot of money doing great, you know, doing really, you know, great work. I know I'm, I'm still working hard um, to to do things that matter, you know. And that's,
3: and, I think, really the bottom line of this is, is wanting to make a contribution to making the world a better place, making it better than we found it uh, by amen. where we are, where we're playing it. You're, you're doing it. You mentioned uh, Anson Mills and Glenn Roberts. Uh, spoke at a conference that I put on in Wales, and and he's a brilliant guy. And he talks about this. Uh, I think is going to get hopefully more and more of an impact is the idea of polycrop farming, where you can grow mm-hmm. numbers of things together, harvest them together, and make right. a kind of a unique blend of flour. And we we made some extraordinary breads using his polycrop flour. But yeah. I mean, we could go on and on. And what we need to do is sort of get you back because we're running out of time for this this segment. Uh, but i know, uh, you know where to find me. I'm we'll get you back you and Rob and we'll just keep going. What's that? I'm sorry. I'm you, know that. Fine.
4: you know that you know where to get well, me. right now. Yes. There,
3: there are times when it's hard to, to know whether you're in LA, whether you're here, whether you're there, yeah. but we would, next time we get you back, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the other, uh, you know, restaurant projects you're doing, uh, and explore. I think I really would like to spend a whole session just exploring the idea of what makes good, good. And and uh because hey, that's, that's
4: a party what, I want to be invited to. You. I'm ready. That's my big takeaway
3: from today is that whole notion of what is it that makes good? good? And uh yeah, what makes good so things good, thank man. You well,
4: for, yeah. Well I'm, thanks I'm for, grateful thanks for, to I'm for, for inspiring a
3: lot of people on that quest, on that search.
4: Well.
3: For, for doing doing good and making good. Uh, and uh you know really appreciate you spending as much time as you have with us today. So thank you. you uh, For sure. This this is a conversation that will never end.
4: Yeah. Well, my, my,
3: uh, (laughs) we can talk for
4: hours. uh, Whatever I, whatever I was fortunate enough to inspire others is only a reflection of the inspiration I received from a lot of different mediums, you know, in, in in our, in our world and in my life. And, uh, um, I try to pay them homage every day. And, uh, Anyway, um, let's uh, hope the next time we meet the world's in a kinder place. And uh, God bless you and your family and everybody watching. Uh, Thank you. Uh, you as well. And yeah. Just give
3: my best to Marco and and to your whole family. Uh, and, Me too, and, brother. Uh, and, and tell you Bianco. what, I, I will definitely
4: favor some salt. I got some salt for your wife, for sure. I'm <laughs> will tell her. i going to tell her that you promised her some salt. She'll, she'll be we got thrilled. It, we got it. Uh, Maybe some pepper, and so too. We'll some pepper. <laughs> Maybe Thank salt you. and pepper. Some chiltepine. I forgot for her. <laughs> you sonora.
3: If you send it, she's going to be in love with it. All right. Thank that's you.
4: A uh, peace, brother. Chris Bianca,
3: thanks peace. for being with us on Pizza Talk. Thank you, Thank you all for, for being with us today. And join us again for the next segment of Pizza Talk. Chris, peace. See you soon. Pizza Quest is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter, at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Thanks for listening.